welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone in the Art Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we're discussing Season 5, Episode 19, which is titled Rites of Spring. The episode aired on April 29th, 1999. Lauren, what was going on that week 22 years ago? Quite a bit, and some of it rather depressing. Let's get through this together, fam. Hey. After 21 years in the NHL, hockey legend Wayne Gretzky plays his final game, losing 2-1 to to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Can I say something about this real quick? Sure. I always think of Wayne Gretzky playing, like, in the 50s to the 70s. Like, I don't... No. I never realized that he was actually playing in my lifetime. Maybe it's because I grew up in Michigan and my family is such big Red Wings fans that I knew this. I didn't come into hockey, like, my hockey knowledge, really, until I was, like... Until I was a teenager. Oh, I I didn't have any hockey knowledge. This was all my cousins watching hockey. But, like, I was, like... I'd never even, like, seen hockey until I was a teenager already. So, it just just doesn't register for me. It's a different era. So. Okay. (laughs) Good for him, though. With the first pick in the NFL draft, the Cleveland Browns selected quarterback Tim Couch. (laughs) He would go on to have a lackluster five-year NFL career throwing 64 touchdowns and 67 interceptions. Another of the long line of uh, mistake <laughs> quarterbacks that the Cleveland Browns have selected. I'm glad they have Baker Mayfield, though. Have, you, have you seen that together. that meme picture of the Browns jersey where I think it is a Tim yes. Couch jersey and they just keep yes. adding the names of all the quarterbacks that have come since? Yep. And, like, it's past, like, the bottom of the jersey at this point. This, this was, I believe, too, this was when the Browns came back as an expansion franchise because the yeah. – um, they were, of course, the um, – hold on. They they became the Baltimore Ravens. That's what it was. Yes. They moved to Baltimore and became the Ravens after the Colts left Baltimore to go to Indianapolis. And then they came back as an expansion franchise, got the first pick, picked Tim Couch for better or worse, and it hasn't really gotten that much better since. <laughs> I mean, just a brief glance of his college stats, they didn't look that bad. Oh, no, they, he they, was – yeah, he was yeah. very much a consensus, like, top pick at the time. And I think at the time, especially in the first season of his career, everybody was like, oh, they did good. They got a good one. And then it just, like, <laughs> tanked from there. <laughs> like, it was – yeah. Then the Browns going to Browns. Okay. In our contractually obligated bit of pro wrestling news, on the night of this episode, the debut of – the debut episode of WWF SmackDown airs on UPN. The show is still running, albeit now on Fox to this day. That's Friday Night SmackDown now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Fox, over on that network, son of famed daredevil Evil Knievel, Robbie Knievel, was due to make a much-publicized jump of the Grand Canyon on a motorcycle, but was forced to postpone due to a freak Arizona snowstorm. Okay, I put this in here because <laughs> this is such a we- first of all it's because it's such a weird like um event type of thing that like what a quaint thing that like we we had so few problems as a country in the 90s that we had time to like publicize a moron trying to jump the Grand Canyon on a motorcycle. Uh but I also put this in here because I have a vivid memory of 9-year-old me sitting in front of the TV watching this and watching the snowfall and getting like because they first they like did like a weather delay they were like oh we're just gonna hold off by like 30 minutes and then he's gonna try and so i'm like little nine-year-old me is sitting in front of the tv like this is gonna happen dude's gonna jump i'm either gonna see a guy jump the grand canyon on a motorcycle and survive or i'm gonna watch a dude die and it's gonna be great (laughs) either way nine-year-old me is gonna be thrilled 
and it didn't happen. He uh, it, it got it did get rescheduled. I think it eventually happened in May, uh, so about a month from now. And I can't remember whether he actually finished, like he actually made it or not. Obviously, he's still alive, so clearly he didn't die. But I can't remember if he actually like successfully made it across or not. You could be alive and maimed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's a daredevil. You're a daredevil. It comes with the territory. I'm sure it's on his insurance. Sorry for the next headline, Lauren. (laughs) On a much more somber note, the Columbine High School massacre occurs, during which two students went on a shooting spree, killing 12 students, one teacher, and wounding 24 others before committing suicide. Good thing we changed things and it never happened again, right? (laughs) (laughs) The Matrix is the number one movie for the third time in five weeks. Hell yeah. Do you, does anybody remember the weird, not to like belabor this point, but does anybody remember the weird little um, bit of con- like convergence where they kind of tried to blame the Matrix for Columbine? Yes. Yeah. And Marilyn Manson and... I definitely, yeah, Marilyn Manson, Marilyn Manson got most of the headlines, but I definitely remember a, a, a period of time where the Matrix was being scapegoated as like... The trench coats. Yeah. 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 As on the nose as, oh shit, Michael Moore, I think is the guy, is mm-hmm. that documentary mm-hmm. guy. His movie, Bowling for Columbine, mm-hmm. is one of the best documentary films I've ever seen. Yep. Even <laughs> if he beats you over the head with the fact that yeah. guns guns bad. It's but... so, Sometimes you have to be. Michael, Michael Moore is one of those guys who, like, it's, like, heartbreaking. The worst, <laughs> the worst person you know just made a great point. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. usually the way it goes with Michael Moore. He's always right, but he's always kind of a dick about it. Yep. And one of the defining songs of the 90s, No Scrubs by TLC, is the number one song this week. Oh boy. What else was on that evening? At 8 p.m., Friends with the episode of The One with the Ride Along. At 8.30, Will and Grace with the episode Saving Grace. At 9 p.m., Frasier with the episode Dr. Nora. And at 9.30, Veronica's Closet returns with Veronica's Night at the Theater. This week's episode had 26.5 million viewers tuning in, directed by Jonathan Kaplan doing his seventh out of 40. Previous one of his from this season were Middle of Nowhere and Hazed and Confused. And this week's episode is written by David Mills doing his final out of four episodes. Previous one of his from this season was Hazed and Confused. Uh, And no Weaver this episode. Hmm. Kind of getting into that period of the show where the the cast is so big that we physically can't fit all of them into every single episode. <laughs> we like it seems like everybody every week somebody's got to draw the short stick. Yeah, can you feel it, friends? Can you feel the electricity, the romance in the air for this episode? I thought it was just y'all, gas. Y'all ready for Green Day? I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Uh, full disclosure, I probably will get gushy and sp- and very spoilery for the next couple seasons uh, here on this episode because it's the, it's the beginning of... Everyone has their OTP for this show. Mine is Mark and Elizabeth. So, and it begins. Uh, but our previously on is brought to us by Carter this week. Uh, Carol is snacking some saltines while cleaning Trauma 2. Navigating it very well. She has like the she's like balancing like a bunch of like <laughs> trash and like has like the open sleeve of saltines and Mark pops in and asks her what she's up to and apparently there was a peritoneal lavage kit that expired in nineteen ninety six. So she's going through shit. And he's trying to get her to clean the admit area as well. Jerry. Jerry. Um Mark then bumps into Elizabeth, who is all dressed up in this really weird pale yellow uh 
suit dress thing. I don't, I don't, I'm not a fan of her outfit in this one. I it's do. very 90s. Fashion watch, I pale yellow is not good on, like, <laughs> no. Um, but we find out that she's dressed up because she's presenting on a panel that afternoon. And Mark goes, oh, then I'll have to stop, then I'll stop griping about having to attend. Very smooth, Mark. Very, very smooth. Very cute. And I think here he even just means it like as a kind of like I know, buddy, but, but still, it's like it's they they set this whole up ep- this whole episode as an excellent setup. Um, Carter and Jerry are playing frisbee in the ER, and Jerry crash lands into some equipment as always. <laughs> so Mark takes Carter out into the ambulance bay, uh, comparing frisbee techniques to show him how it should be done. And Mobilage shows up and catches the frisbee, says he's back to work and he's got amnesty, and he's going back to school for civil engineering. Good for him. Yeah, and this is it for Mobilage. This is the end of that story, which I can certainly understand where Aaron's coming from now, where Aaron felt like his storyline sort of gets bobbed when you think about where we where we ended off with uh, that epic scene with him and Mark in the bathroom, and that just kind of, it feels like we did sort of, like, leave this at the peak of the story. Like, there, th- this resolution does feel a little bit underwhelming. I'm glad it's a happy ending and everything, and I'm glad that the, the right, it, it got the right outcome but it does sort of feel like it's being a little bit cut off short, but uh, I don't know what else you would add to it after like it, like what else could you do to make it a more flesh out storyline after yeah. that scene? I mean, maybe you could have gotten into some of the like actual hearing stuff and like, but uh, I don't know. It just, it just does seem like a very short uh, descent from that peak. Like you go from like this, like intense emotional. I mean, it, it was four and a half minutes. We listened to the whole thing on the episode. It was four and a half minutes of like some of the best stuff we've seen on the show to this point. And then the very next episode, he's catching a Frisbee and saying how everything's great now. And bye off into the sunset. He goes like, it was just, I don't know. Uh, still a great storyline. I've still really enjoyed our time with it, but I'm just a little disappointed to see it. end so kind of, I'm, I'm glad they didn't just end it with like a thank you card to Mark. Yeah. yeah. At least he got Dimaggio Hansu back for one more. True. For one more go around. They, they, it's, it's not great, but they could have fucked it up way worse. Yes. True. They could have been a true Bob. That would have sucked. And then we go back inside. Uh, Lynette asks Carol about Coco. Uh, DCFS are having the clinic monitor her. The DCFS are having the clinic monitor her med regimen and to make sure she's staying on her meds and everything's all good and hunky-dory uh carol says she has it under control and lynette reminds carol that uh that she lynette is responsible for the clinic now and carol didn't tell her about this at all which fair and carol's apology was like oh yeah i should have told you and she hits back with no carol you should have asked love it yeah i'm i'm sad i was i I'm glad we have more of Lynette because I thought she exited with Clooney. But is this the end of Lynette <laughs> yeah. this episode? Very, very, very next scene will be the last time we see Lynette ever. No. But like, so. I'm glad at least we got a little more yes. of her post the storm because I thought that's where her storyline was cut off. But. Yeah, do you get at least a little bit more? But yeah, this this episode here is the end of it. Uh, but we go from there into the intro with uh, more bangs uh, coming out of the intro. We, <laughs> Jerry and Chuni are drafting teams for fantasy baseball, which can I get an entire sub episode? Like if this show came, came along 10 years later, even I feel like we could have gotten a really solid web series out of Jerry, mm-hmm. <laughs> Jerry and the nurses, like just having wacky side series type stuff. I feel like that could have been a fun, uh, fun web series project. Uh, 
We see Romano asking Carter for a favor with a mentoring project with a high schooler. Uh, Romano is particularly shitty in this entire uh, mm-hmm. interaction here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, it is, a, it is a public school, but I've been assured the kid is not a convicted felon. Great. Uh, the kid is due to show up any minute now, so Carter gets no warning about this. Uh, we see a brief appearance of Lucy, uh, who is showing up in her best 90s denim jacket. Uh, she's still finishing up her psych rotation and she is working with uh, the wife of a psych patient, Mrs. McKenna, uh, a law school student who uh, took an aluminum baseball bat to his car this morning and got uh, glass in his eye. Uh, And Mrs. Yeah, not great. Not great. Uh, Mrs. McKenna here is played by actress Jessica Capshaw, who appeared in stuff like Valentine, Minority Report and Grey's Anatomy. Hell yeah. And uh, she is the daughter of actress Kate Capshaw, a.k.a. Mrs. Spielberg. So this she is uh, Steven Spielberg's stepdaughter. She's arguably the best character on Grey's Anatomy that's ever been on that show. Fight me. Like, I fucking love her whole thing. I know none of you know, have, <laughs> have any idea what I'm talking about, but you have some idea. That's true. I, I have watched, by you watching Grey's Anatomy <laughs> twice through in our apartment, I have seen most of Grey's Anatomy. She has been, she has been clockwork oranged into Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> I, I know all about Arizona and her story arc. Yeah. and Yeah. Mm, fight me. I know. Okay. I will gush more when, when we're finally done with ER and we can move into our, <sighs> the next phase of the podcast Don't. and I make Daniel watch 22 One episodes of Grey's Anatomy. One step at a time. Yeah. I'm, hey, I'm looking forward to it. I'm planning for it. I'm the anticipation is there. Not not on a night when Daniel's near death. Let's just thank you. Um, then we go back to well, apparently the last scene with Lynette, uh, where she tells Carol that Coco is late. No one at the halfway house has seen her all morning, and they start to make a big deal. Like, oh God, should we call the should we call the police? What do we what do we do? And Jerry says that Coco is here to see Carol. And Coco had an appointment card for noon, and Lynette wrote it down wrong in the in the appointment book, which I'm assuming she was jettisoned into the sun for. That's why we never right? see her she, again. She disappeared into the shadow realm in shame because, yes, this is the last appearance of Lynette Evans. Uh, a bob if I ever saw one because <laughs> yep. this is this is, does not qualify under any uh, circumstance as a satisfying ending for a character who – I mean, was never a main part of the cast, but at least had something to do. And yeah, she had an impact. Yeah. She was a good kind of, not foil for Carol, but somebody for Carol to bounce off of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She was a nice transitional character to transition us as the audience away from only seeing Carol primarily with Doug and then mm-hmm. giving us a little something else to work with once he was gone. Yeah. Then we go up to Surgical. We have Benton with and Lizzie scrubbing in for something, and Anspa has announced the Trauma Fellowship is formally going to happen. Uh, they're expecting at least 15 applicants. Benton has not made up his mind. Re-trauma versus cardiothoracic. Lizzie says that, oh, well, you know, we have home team advantage. We have the through line from being in the hospital. And Benton can't come to the conference that afternoon because he has a keyhole bypass he has to perform. Which sounds really cool. That's just a really cool name for a surgery. Yep. 
And then Lucy's resident up in Psych drills her about not having seen Mr. McKenna yet. And she's like, well, I haven't been able to. They're not done with him. And Mark tells her not to become a servant to her residents, that now is the time to get to know patients and learn how to talk to them and not just be a slave. Hint, hint, wink, wink, Carter. And she she brings up a really excellent point where she's like, but students who do get better grades. Like, the system Mm. is flawed, man. Nobody's listening. I would also like to point out, too, that our, our resident here, uh, we have seen him before. We've, uh, I think, most recently seen him towards the end of season four. Um, but I would also like to point out that he has been a resident since season one <laughs> when he first popped yeah. up. Like, this dude is in the middle of the longest residency on record. Whereas I mean, Carter's, Carter's are all fast-forwarded. Yeah. No, Carter's are even too long with yeah. some of the stuff that we hear about. But this is really too long. Residencies are five years. So I guess, but for specialties like that, that are they? Is, you could argue that this is his fifth year. I don't know. How many times do we get to have this discussion? I don't know. Who knows? Who cares? We have a reverend because well, we get to one of the get to meet one of the sweetest characters we've had in a while. Um, we see a reverend having to cancel his appointments because the triage area is really busy. Um, he slammed his thumb while working on the gutters in his church, and he's very old. Mm-hmm. And South Street AME. What's does that stand for something? I, I didn't know what it was off the top of my head, but that's what he said. That's the congregation he said he was a okay. part of. But he also has a rheumatoid arthritis, which is cause, I guess, causes swelling in your joints yep. and such. Um, he said, if, and he's very, he's very pleasant. He has a very pleasant conversation with Jeannie and is like talking about different like fate and stuff like that. And she was like, if I hadn't hit my thumb, we wouldn't have met. He has very intense eyebrows as well. Yes. Like the man. Yes. The man. <laughs> this man. Um, this man's eyebrows are going to be DLC for Lizzie's lawn mowing simulator. Because it is. It is the African Methodist Episcopal Church. Oh well, there we go. Uh, Reverend Lynn here is played by actor Roscoe Lee Brown, who appeared in stuff like The Cowboys, Logan's Run, and Treasure Planet, amongst many other things. 127 credits to his name, and he did pass away in 2007. But, given how old how old he was, yeah. Given given his age, that's not surprising. not entirely surprising. And I think if I remember correctly, he is our only. Uh, so season five only got the one that it was supposed to. This episode, it only <laughs> it only got the old guy. Everybody else is totally fine. Don't worry. But season five has been a, a bloodbath for the Ohayas that people. Uh, Carter then finds his high school student Antoine Bell. Uh, I should say too off the top too. This is a very oh hey it's that guy heavy episode. I'm gonna have one in almost every scene. Uh, Mm -hmm. so bear with me here. Uh, but, uh, Carter's high school student, Antoine Bell is played by actor Corey Parker Robinson, who appeared in stuff like unstoppable, the soap opera guiding light and the TV series, the wire. Uh, one of my favorite shows, uh, he's making his first of two appearances here as Antoine. Uh, and then we go from there. We see Anspa uh, apologizing that he will miss the conference this afternoon as he and Lizzie are working on a surgery together. Uh, she's discussing the findings of uh, her presentation. And then he asks her for her thoughts on Benton's paper regarding the sternal saw, sternal saw study, which is not any easier to say five times faster than it has been since it first popped up. Um, and she just mentions that she'll be eager to read it. Hmm. hmm. Benton, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Uh, we go over Lucy is checking on Michael McKenna and he admits to drinking more to cope with the excess stress. And then he just kind of, he starts to say it helps that. And she's like, it helps what? He says it helps them be more quiet. 
He's been hearing demons, and he says, I would never hurt my wife. I'm stronger than they are. I wouldn't do what they said. I hit the car instead. So he is having a full mental break from the stress of law school. And can we say, or can I say, it's so, again, it's so nice to see Lucy actually being good at what she does. Yeah. Like, yeah. Asking the, the correct questions and very gently poking for more information and not overwhelming the patient. It's very nice. And and already showing some growth just from last episode where when Coco popped back up and was like maybe not yep. 100% comfortable with her being her her person, she kind of took a little bit of umbrage with that. And here it's like she's already kind of developed a little bit more and grown a little bit more. Like it's... Psych, psych patients are people? Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how that works. I mean, I think when we get to the listener responses at the end, a couple people make note of like... You know, maybe Psych would have been a good landing spot for for Lucy had uh, had things not transpired the way they did. That uh, might have been a might have been a calling for her. Uh, but our our law school student here, Michael McKenna, is played by actor Mike Doyle, who appeared in stuff like the TV series New Amsterdam and a recurring role on Law and Order SVU. And we go back over to Carolyn Coco. She is Carol is examining the little the little baby, adorable little baby. Uh, Coco has been taking extensive notes about what she does and gives the baby to uh, document and prove that she's doing everything right. Um, and there's another woman in, in the halfway house with a two-month-old, so everyone's just loving having the babies around. I can imagine at a place like that, it would be a, it would, it'd be a nice change of pace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that notebook she has is so cute where she's showing <laughs> everything documented. It's like, yes, you go, Coco. 505, he took a shit. <laughs> well, hey, you know... If it helps her feel better. No, absolutely. Yeah. It's adorable. Yeah. Um, And also very empowering for her, I'm sure, as someone who struggles with a mental illness to be able to point to it and say, here, here is my documentation. Mm -hmm. Like, here's my accountability. Uh, But then we go up to Mark sewing up a guy's foot who stomped on a picture frame. And and the guy says, she's lucky. That's the only thing I put my foot through. Uh, Mark says he has to stay off the foot for a few weeks. Um, Guy says he can't because he has to go dancing a few times a week as a chick magnet. At this point, we learn that Mark (laughs) only knows the tango that he had to learn for his wedding. This comes into play later. Mm. This is the only reason this scene is here. Yeah. This guy sucks. <laughs> yep. This guy is awful. Isn't he the same? Doesn't he uh, say to Mark at some point, of some, like, ask him if he's dating after his divorce? Yeah. Or, like, don't let him get their hooks in you and stuff like that. Like, it's, yeah. it's like, Jesus Christ, we got Archie Bunker in the ER today. Uh, we go from there. Jerry asks Carter where Antoine is, wants to give him the scared straight tour of the morgue. Uh, at, when it comes to Antoine this episode, everyone sucks except for Carter, which is yep. a... Yep. Uh, well, mm, even Carter yeah, but has a moment. He does have a moment, but but compared to everyone else who goes in making the worst assumptions, even Jerry, who is not prone to do that, uh, is pretty right. shit here. Um, but he says he wants to give him the straight, scared straight tour of the morgue. Um, when Carter corrects him that he is a magnet school kid and says he is looking for him too, uh, finds him in front of like an anatomy chart taped to a door and pulls him into a trauma with a stabbing victim. Uh, more to come on that in just a moment. Uh, but we then switch over from there. We see uh, Carol over in chairs calling for a Seth Morgan, a uh, kid looks to be about, you know, maybe oh, 12, 13 ish. Uh, he's there with his foster mother, and uh, as they're getting ready to bring him back, he decides to uh, kick Carol and scream at her. Great, great. 
Uh, Seth here is played by actor Vincent Berry, who appeared in stuff like Breakdown, uh, Free Willy 3, which I feel like is really where the series hit its stride, uh, and <laughs> and uh, a bully. This is where I really knew him from. He was the bully on Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, Spath or Speth or something was the, the character's name. He was Frankie Muniz's bully. And the foster mother here, Leela Morgan, uh, she's played by actress Deborah Mooney, who appeared in stuff like the domestic dis- or appeared in stuff like Domestic Disturbance, the TV series Everwood, and Grey's Anatomy. Another one. She's she's feisty in Grey's Anatomy. I love Who is her. she in Grey's? Uh, she is Owen's mother, Owen Hunt. The oh yeah, guy. yeah 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 yeah. Okay, I never saw her. That's one character I never did get to see. Dates a much younger man. Nice. Owen has a lot of problems of it with it. Of course he does. But they're adorable. Of course. And then we go over to a 55-year-old man who's been stabbed in the neck during a robbery. Uh, the gentleman is very hoarse from the stabbing, as I c- you can imagine, suffering a neck wound. Um, Antoine should not be in this trauma. But Carter's just like, hey, just hang, hang in the back. Um, and the cop is trying to get the details on the assailant and Lauren. Whose films are those? And Benton asked why he wasn't Paige, because he's the one covering trauma, but Corday was already just right down there, just getting ready to leave. Um, and the gentleman's wife is unfortunately DOA at the scene, uh, and Antoine just vanishes from the trauma. And I am most proud here in this scene of catching uh, an, an oh, hey, it's that person for me. May not be for everybody, but uh, our patient here, uh, who really we don't get a very clear look at, but I did get a brief glimpse of his face as they were trying to examine his neck. Um, and uh, he is, uh, the character's name is Mr. Cho, and he is played by actor Ralph Ahn, whose most famous credit was he was Tran on New Girl, uh, who is, if you've watched that show, uh, Nick Miller is one of the main characters on that show. Uh, My Life is basically the source material for his. Uh, And (laughs) (laughs) Tran is an elderly uh, Asian gentleman that he meets with in the park one day, just like he's taking a walk in the park, and this guy is sitting on a bench, and he sits down next to him. Tran speaks no English whatsoever, and he just like word vomits all of his problems onto him, and then Tran goes and takes him uh on a walk and then they go to like a meditation thing together and it's just a very like sweet thing even though they don't speak any english like don't they they have no way to communicate but he just like reaches out his hand and takes his hand and walks him to a meditation thing it's very sweet uh daniel remind me um off air to tell you our our new girl um story and why i've never watched that show i remember you i remember you telling me at one point that you had like a personal reason why you had never watched that show and i i yeah okay Like it's it's on my list to check out eventually because I I've heard it's great, but I just I'll, I'll get into our our friend reason why we haven't watched That's it. That's fair. But, it was um, a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Uh, but from there we go over to Romano and Lizzie in the elevator, and uh, he says Lizzie has a good fighting chance at the at the um, trauma fellowship, and she's like, yeah, I don't know. Now that Benton's published and everything, and he goes, what? And this is where he learns that Benton is applying for the trauma fellowship as well as running for cardiothoracic. Rut row. You see the room. You see the room darken. Yeah, you see the murder fire light up in his eyes. Yeah, I love the uh, uh, I love the like crisscross exit from the elevator that they do, where mm-hmm. like Lizzie cuts him off, and so he has to do this little like okie doke move and go the other way because you can tell he's flustered. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we go back to Jeannie with Reverend Lynn, and he asks her to handle the sublingual hematoma, the blood blister under his uh, thumbnail, and she says she won't because she's Hep C positive and is not doing procedures anymore. And he talks her into it. And it's very sweet. And I love this man. 
And then Chuni also assumes that Antoine is there for a scared straight program. And um, she says she bets that the cop scared him out of the room. Oh not God. that the trauma did. And Carter sets both her and Lily straight. You know, it's funny. as a, It just popped into my head as I was reading that. Like, I was when I was doing the notes for tonight's episode, I was um, looking at all the TV listings of what was on TV for you know, that night and other channels and stuff. And I can't remember if it was this week or the week before, cause there was a two week gap between last week's episode and this one. Um, but on one of the nights they were running a special on UPN about tw- the 20 year anniversary of the scared straight program. So I wonder if that, <laughs> I wonder if that played into it at all of like, that was a current event that was happening at the time that scared straight was a, a 20 year old program at this point. Or maybe everyone besides Carter, this episode is just racist. I mean, that know? could also be too. Could be just a coincidence. <laughs> Uh, but we go back over to Lucy. Uh, she's now consulting with Seth and his foster mom, and he's hiding under his shirt, um, like child, like children and Lauren are wont to do. <laughs> it's comfortable. I know it is. I do it all the time too. Um, My mom asked me about that one. She's like, "Why the hell do you do that?" It's like I don't know. It's cozy. I'm 29 years old, and I do what Seth's doing here. Yeah. Maybe you don't cut out the eye holes. And no, the... I just do it on my nose. Yeah. Uh, keep keep an eye on that eye hole because it disappears a little bit later in the episode. Mm, it's it's clearly there just to uh, give us a cool camera shot. But uh, but mom gave him some uh, Indurel. I hope I'm saying that right to calm yeah. him down. And he's on approximately 80 million different types of psychiatric medications. Uh, Lucy gives him a cookie because she thinks he's being over medicated. And he's like, oh, yeah, I get a buzzy feeling in my head. Relatable. Mm-hmm. Fucking relatable. Um, and the hand injury is not from a, an outburst. It's from him falling into a window, which also just happens sometimes. Yeah. Meds, meds are great, but they suck. Yeah. <sighs> so we then go over from there to the lounge where we find uh, Antoine studying books and asks Carter about the nerve. I like the little bit of a misdirect here where they, they made it seem like he disappeared from that trauma because he was like so many other of Carter's students over the years was just squeamish and couldn't handle it. No, it's just, he's that a huge fucking nerd and just like had to go find the answer. <laughs> like <laughs> I really like that about him. Um, but we go from there to our next trauma of uh, Frank Putnam is the patient's name tripped and fell on a sprinkler while jogging uh, stabbed Ugh. below the nipple. There's a fear. I didn't know I had uh, Lizzie and Benton both go to check him out. Uh, and Carol has uh, Carol in the middle of the trauma uh, limps out of the room. So you can tell she's in very obvious distress throughout this trauma. Uh, so she limps out of the room and we will follow up with her in just a moment. Uh, and then Lizzie and Benton are bickering over what to do with Mr. Putnam uh, as far as whether his what type and to what extent of surgery he is going to need uh, for his injuries. Uh, and Mr. Putnam here is played by actor Gary Hudson, who appeared in stuff like Roadhouse, Fifty Shades Freed and Two for the Money. And he is our high water actor for the episode 131 credits to his name. Sorry, I just have to laugh at the name Fifty Shades Free. Yeah, the the Fifty Shades crowd will have to let me know if that's like the is that the Empire Strikes Back of the Fifty Shades series or like what uh, what happens there? Or is that the Return of the Jedi? Yeah, what, I don't I have I, no idea I, what's going on. I never never read a page or watched a frame of any of the the Fifty Shades series. Dakota Johnson blows up the Death Star. That's all. That's all I know. Sure. Um, but Carol pulls uh, Carol pulls Mark out of. Trauma. Oh yeah, um, and Carol pulls Mark. <laughs> Sorry, the notes. Like speaking, of 50, speaking of fifty, speaking of speaking of fifty shades. There it is. 
Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <sighs> it was a weird transition. So yeah, I'm sorry. That was... sure. Nope. Out of the trauma. Uh, then uh, Carol pulls Mark out of the trauma because uh, she was having cramps and now she's spotting. And she finally tells him that she's pregnant. Which leads us into this next audio clip of Mark performing an ultrasound on Carol. You see a heartbeat? Can't tell. It's hard to get a good view. Come on, Mark. No, I don't see a heartbeat. Oh man. Carol, it's not necessarily a blighted ovum. Okay. It's probably just too early to see with this. I'll call radiology and I'll set up an appointment for a vaginal ultrasound. All right. So you uh, planning on going through the pregnancy? I was hoping to, yeah. What does Doug think? Uh, I figured I'd wait on that one. You know, get through the first trimester. I mean, if I miscarry, there's not much to tell. You'd probably want to know either way. Yeah, and I, I will. I'll tell him at some point. Just I'm trying to get used to this myself right now, and things are complicated enough. Right. I'll call for the appointment. Thanks, Mark. Um, I think one thing that we read in that Medicine of ER book, mm-hmm. uh, Mark should not be doing this ultrasound. <laughs> he, yeah. he should have an ultrasound tech doing this. Probably. So, I mean, I, I, I get the impulse in this situation because it's more, it's an informal capacity. You know, he's not really, he's not serving as her doctor here. It's, it's as a friend primarily. So, I mean, I, I do sort of get it here, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. He, he does overstep his boundaries when it comes to OB stuff more, more than once. But he does admit that he's not right. the the best at that stuff like this. That's why he's an ER doc and not part of OB. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And also, ow. Yeah. Vaginal ultrasound. Ow. <laughs> don't even want to know. Nope. I mean, I can assume, but I don't even want to know. Mm. <laughs> but yay! Finally, Mark knows. Jesus yay. Christ! I don't. It took so that. <laughs> Only took a few episodes. I know. Holy I do because we get another one later in the episode too. We get another moment of like I feel like they've gone to this well like three episodes in a row now where they've had the big Carol's pregnant revelation. Like they've it seems like they're trying. It's it's you know again not to use a wrestling analogy, but it kind of feels like Undertaker's last match. They keep trying to do it over and over <laughs> again until they get it right. Like they're just you just got to keep the WrestleMania streak alive. Just like Carol having a baby. It's like I guess. okay, we know she's pregnant. Do we really have to keep having the moment every episode where she's like I'm pregnant? like and waving her hands at the camera like she does it like three episodes in a row it's like fucking we get it anyway i love it um but love their friendship love this moment very good mark has her back and i so appreciate it and he's respecting what she wants to do yeah he's not like no you got to go tell my best friend yeah which i really appreciate another, another nail in the coffin of the haters that are like doug left while carol was pregnant no he didn't fucking know suck it losers uh carter goes to check on a baby that's been brought in who is irritable and spitting up um the family lives out in cottage grove in so in an older building with peeling paint and of course t- the toddler likes to put things in his mouth um carter assumes that it's lead paint chips and antoine watches this whole interaction really really like laser focused like he's putting some pieces together mm-hmm. 
And our mother here is played by actress Shelley Robertson, who uh, appears in primarily TV shows uh, and seemingly primarily cop shows, too. Uh, she's in Good Girls, NCIS Los Angeles, and The Rookie. Um, and then we go over to Benton, who is working on the ASOP machine to do his keyhole surgery with Romano. And they're just, they're, nothing really major happens here. He's just like, wow, this is really cool to work with this machine. And Romano's like, yep, this is what you can do in cardiothoracic. Hmm. Mm. And then uh, Carter is examining, as Carter's doing the blood tests on that baby uh, with Antoine. And the baby is, in fact, anemic. Which makes it easy, which apparently makes it easy uh, for the lead to bind with to the red blood cells. Um, and he says, "I I was worried where he was going mm-hmm. with this at first because he says poor kids are more likely to end up with lead poisoning because of poor diet, because a poor diet can cause anemia, and they'll likely live in older buildings with lead paint." And I was like, I thought about it for a second. I was like, No, that's not. There's nothing race no, related yeah. to that. That's just. It is just a fact. Yeah, just it, a, that's just a fact. Yeah. It, but it's also that the race part comes in that. Um, urban communities of color are more likely to be underserved mm-hmm. and I believe if I recall correctly um, African Americans are more likely to have anemia uh, no sickle cell sickle, sickle cell, cell. Yeah. Yeah. so that's where I thought he was going with it but this is a very nice neutral way to put it yeah uh, we then go back up to the surgical locker room where we see Benton and Romano uh, changing after their surgery and Romano decides to confront him about the trauma fellowship and where his loyalties lie re, re cardiothoracic versus the trauma fellowship. And <clears throat> Benton in the most like lethargic early season Benton way, uh, just kind of matter of factly says that he would choose cardiothoracic, but I swear he's half asleep while delivering that sentence. I think he's more just afraid to say it wrong. Yeah. I guess he's just picking his words carefully, but it is a very mm-hmm. like low energy sort of delivery from him on that. And uh, Romano says, uh, well, if he has any doubts whatsoever, that uh, he can make it very easy for him and take the cardiothoracic fellowship off the table and uh, storms off. Yikes. Jesus Christ, Romano. Like, it's it's obviously a good idea to have a backup plan. Right. Yeah. He He's very diplomatic about it. Like he says, you know, like, yeah. I didn't want to take the cardiothoracic fellowship as for granted. You know, I wanted to, yeah. you know put other options out there and it's like you can just tell that like romano's got his fucking tidy whities in a twist about the whole thing romano's just being a little bitch (laughs) did we also notice that uh romano's stethoscope is gold-plated i feel like i knew that it's very shiny yeah yeah, i didn't i didn't make particular note of it here but i feel like that is a character trait of his that i had forgotten about Yep, I just noted it there because I was like, wow, what a dick. So then we have Carol, who is sitting in the lounge, sipping a coffee, presumably. Mark got her an appointment for 5 p.m. today for the vaginal ultrasound. And Mark invites her to go get a bite and skip his conference so he can just be a good friend for her. And she says, you know, thanks, but she kind of wants to be alone right now. And he says, you know, I covered with Carrie in case you need to go take off and go home. <laughs> and Carrie's like, dude, I'm not here today anyway. Don't don't tell me yeah. that. <laughs> But still, just good good boy, Mark. Good friend. Uh, Coco shows back up in a panic, and she says, if I didn't do something right with the baby, would you have to tell on me? Mm. Big big panic moment, and then I think we go into commercial from that, Yeah, if I recall correctly. Because then we go into our, our next scene, uh, which we have audio for, is Lucy checking up on Seth. How you doing, Seth? Got any more cookies? Sure, I do. 
I was talking to your foster mom. She seems like a pretty nice lady. What do you think? She's new. She said your natural mom died a few years ago. I never knew my dad. It's hard to grow up without a parent. She died in a car crash. It's my dad's fault. That's an awful thing to happen. Do you think about it a lot? No. Does it make you mad sometimes? Got any more cookies? That's my last one. If you don't want to talk about your mom and dad, we don't have to. Why do you want to? I like talking to you. I want to know what's on your mind. My dad gets drunk a lot. That's why you have to stay with foster parents sometimes, huh? He's an alcoholic. A lot of people have that problem. Makes it kind of tough on you, though. I only wish that my dad would come and see me sometime. <laughs> this poor kid. Yeah. Lauren, tell me why you hate him. I didn't. <laughs> I just assume you do. <laughs> no, I would have put in the notes this precocious little shithead's a twat if I hated him. No, he did a good job. And I think it's because I also identified just with his with his shit, just with the whole unstable child thing. Like, like I get it. It, I was never in foster homes, thank God. But no, I was not about to shit all over this kid's performance. He does a beautiful job yeah. with what he has to do. And that's the, really the reason I got the audio is because, A, I like this kid actor and I like what he does mm -hmm. and I like what he does. And also, Lucy being competent. Yeah. We can I, we can never get enough of that. Nope. So. Got to get those in while you can because there's not going to be just not, – not that there aren't – not that she's not competent just in general, but there's just physically not that many of those moments, you know, so. Yeah. Um. But we go from there to uh, ER's very own sliding doors moment where if uh, Lizzie had just gotten this fucking taxi, then we could have been spared this whole next three seasons. But here we go. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Lizzie Corday is outside calling for a taxi, tries to take one from a guy across the street, and then drops all of her papers in the street. And uh, who, who should show up to help her pick them all up uh, but our own bald Prince Charming, Mark Green. Uh, tells her that the L goes right by the hotel that her conference is at, and so off they go. If only she'd have just been like five seconds earlier to that street, she could have gotten that taxi and driven away. And oh, but then we wouldn't have all this goodness in the next three seasons. <sighs> Here we are, uh, and then we go over to uh, Carol and Coco. It's the the cutest. This is the cutest scene of the episode. Mm -hmm. This might actually be the cutest scene of the episode. Uh, they're bathing the baby together, and Carol's just. Doing everything, showing Coco how to do everything right, supporting the supporting the child's head and using warm, not hot water and a very mild soap and she's doing a very good job of it. And then uh, Coco was, she said she was afraid to look stupid while she did it, so she asked for help. And Carol wisely says, you did the right thing. Yeah, encourages her for coming yeah. in for stuff like this. Good on you. If you don't know how to do something, it's not stupid to ask. Agreed. Uh, then we see Antoine outside with his friends. Um, he tells Carter they're friends from the neighborhood. Uh, as they're walking back in, um, after you know Antoine says bye to his friends, Carter tells him that the tie isn't necessary to put back on. 
But Carter says, let me give you some advice. Is this your first, like, I, have you had a job before? Well, let's pretend this is your first job, and I'm going to give you some advice. You shouldn't go hang out with your buddies on the clock. What the fuck, Carter? Uh, I mean, he's not wrong, it's, but he's he's technically not yeah. wrong. But, but also, he's... this isn't an internship. This isn't yeah. a spot where he has to clock in or out for anything, like... Like, yes, it's very loosely defined what the accountability is here, and I get where Carter's coming from, that he's trying to be a good role model and good example, Mm -hmm. but just the way he phrases it is just, I think it's kind of... Yeah, it's the optics of it, most first and foremost. It's the, you know, white doctor telling the young black kid how to to act in the, you know, in the quote-unquote real world. Like, that's that's the part that really, like, makes you kind of, like, tilt your head and go uh does this look bad i mean because like like lizzie said on substance he's not telling him anything that is necessarily wrong but yeah i could see where it could make you make you uncomfortably fidget a little bit uh so let's go to our next audio clip speaking of things that'll make daniel uncomfortably (laughs) fidget uh, let's go to our next audio our next audio slide our next audio clip uh mark and corday are going over her slides on the train What's next? Specificity. Yeah, uh, I got sensitivity. It's a little crumpled. I'll take it. Methodologies? No. False negative rates. Bingo. Okay. Outcomes. Uh, it's got a footprint on it. Looks kind of interesting. Uh, it's not very sexy. Just meta-analysis. Thought it might help me back the trauma fellowship. Yeah, can't hurt. It'd be better if I had it published. Look, I'm really sorry about that chest wound today. Why are you sorry? You did a great job. Yeah. The trauma room shouldn't be a battleground for surgeons. Uh, you mean Peter? Yep. Well, that must be tough. What? Competing with your boyfriend. Not boyfriend, just competing. I thought you two were... History. I gotta get better sources. This is us. They'll still let me speak. Ten minutes, that's nothing. I was supposed to go first. Uh, well, you were busy saving someone in the ER. Four hours ago? Work with me. So why aren't we stopping? I guess it doesn't stop here on weekends. Don't worry, we can get off at the next stop. This scene is like focus grouped for Lizzie. It involves <laughs> it involves Mark Green and Elizabeth Corday's blossoming relationship. It takes place uh, on public transit and it specifically revolves around public transit schedules. Could this possibly be any more like you put the master chief from Halo into this train car and it is <laughs> Lizzie's scene. The master chief on a lawnmower. I was going to make the joke but I wasn't sure. Mm. Great minds. I've been playing lawn mowing simulator for like two days. For two days, like out of my mind, like my finger hurts from pressing the trigger down because you have to press it down in a very specific way. It's a whole thing. Anyway, um, but they ruined it by saying, oh yeah, I guess this train doesn't stop here on weekends. That's not a thing. Oh, is that not a thing in Chicago? It would be, well, it's, it's a thing 
only if there's construction. It wouldn't just there isn't a place where the L just wouldn't stop mm. on weekends. See, but that that might show where some of the writers are f- more of that LA New York uh mindset because in New York that is very much a thing. There in New York they're very much weekday and weekend schedules on the subway. Yeah. There I mean there's different schedules but Right, but stops, stops like it same. sometimes they will only stop in a on a spot, you know, Monday through Friday or or vice versa. So yeah. Or especially when you're out towards the loop like they are. Like, if you were way on the north side, fine. You've got the Purple Line and Red Line Express shit happening. But down, like, near the loop, you're not going to have stuff that's that changed on a weekend. Uh, I just thought it was very funny. That is yeah. that is an excellent point. <laughs> the only thing you would ever have is, due to construction, you would have either the train being rerouted or you would have shuttle bus. some pla- shuttle bus going to certain, certain stations. Yeah. <sighs> Entire bonus episode on public transit. When? Uh, I mean, I feel like every episode of the show is a show is about public transit. Uh, whenever, whenever we can find a way to organically fit it in. Exactly. Wrestling and public That's transit. Right. And why Master do, Chief and lawnmowers. Why do you all listen to us? We love you. Uh, but we go from there to Jeannie working on the Reverend's thumb, uh, and we get some nice little uh, world building here as we find out that he has known Peter since he was quote a little boy with straight A's. I love how sheepish Benton looks when. He says mm-hmm. that. Uh, and we get a mention of Mama Benton. Uh, says that she spoke of Jeannie uh, to him just before she passed and that she was her guardian angel and brought her comfort and offers some healing prayers. And Jeannie says, I, you know, I need all the help I can get. And we do get a very nice, uh, probably the best music cue of the episode here uh, by Martin. Very, very sweet. See, if all Christians could be like this, the world would be such a better, such a better place. Yeah. Uh, gentle and welcoming kind and but that's another that's neither here nor there uh we go over to mark and corday running into the hotel and they burst into a wedding reception shit they went into ballroom c instead of conference room c which is on a different floor and they run into two people by the elevator looks lauren put down looks like an escort and an elderly man (laughs) It does. The that woman is dressed to the nines. She is holding that man really close, looking and like looks real sketched out when when these two run up. No, I'm convinced. Just like I was convinced that that uh, EMT was secretly the serial killer of the old ladies. <laughs> this is a this is an escort and an old man. Which go her for making her yeah. money, but that's totally. And, what's and we've already here. established oh. that there is a physician conference happening in the building. Somebody is getting some strange in that building. Like, and it might as well be this Jesus old guy. Christ. <laughs> uh, but the elevator's taking too long, so they run to the stairs, and he uh, and. Corday is falling further and further behind as they go down the stairs, and he yells, "Take your heels off, woman!" And she's like, "Do you just call me woman?" <laughs> uh, and the stairs dead end into a supply garage, and the door locks behind them. Not at all creepy. Nope. Uh, then we have Antoine. He calls Doctor Carter. I don't know why I put Doctor Carter. He calls Carter over to chairs where he's sitting with um some friends and a child relation of one of his friends suspected of having lead poisoning um that's why he was chatting with his friends earlier to have them go have the mom and kid come in to the er for for carter to check out so like hey he wasn't goofing off he was doing something good yeah uh lucy's resident praises her for catching the over medication of seth and she also is like you know i think he'd benefit really strongly from some psychotherapy as well and uh the attending says you know whoa 
good catch. Everybody's so quick to over-medicate and jump to medication. Like, I agree with you. And she asks if she can continue the counseling herself. And he's like, um, you know, even though her rotation's almost up, the attending allows it and says that he'll supervise her. Which I feel like once you're done with your rotation, there's probably some, like, insurance reason or something why you can't continue working on a patient in that. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems a little odd. But I guess, I, I think it's very sweet that the attending's like, yeah, well, I believe mm-hmm. in you. I think this is an excellent cause. Sure, why not? And uh, the attending here, Dr. Durad, uh, is played by actor John Doman. Doman? Not sure exactly how you pronounce his last name, uh, but he's a definite oh hey it's that guy. Especially for me, uh, he was in the Trial of the Chicago Seven, uh, Blue Valentine, and another alum of The Wire. Uh, and he makes his first of ten appearances here through 2003. And I could not help but have the uh, air sucked right out of my lungs when I first saw him uh, pop up on screen because he is the attending psych person uh, during the thing next season. And yeah. I was like, oh shit. There he is. Fuck. Like, it was just like, oh. We're here now. Yeah. Oh, shit. Mm. It's less than a season away. Uh, let me go back to Jeannie and Benton regarding her appointment and her labs because she had a follow-up for her hep C status. And her liver tests were almost back to normal. And Benton says, I guess you can't underestimate the power of prayer. And they just have a really cute side hug as they like laugh and walk down the hallway. And it's just good, good little like Boulentin friendship moment. I say Boulentin because somebody <laughs> said they missed hearing us say Boulentin. So Boulentin. This, is, this is for you listeners. Boulentin. I love it. Um, and my Animal Crossing Islanders still say Boulentin. Um, <laughs> Carol. We then see Carol going in um, to get changed for her ultrasound. Nothing else. Just about to get changed into her gown nothing very exciting happens but yay she's at her appointment i guess and uh let's go to our next audio clip then uh corday and mark are waiting to be found in the the totally not murder room of the hotel we have a struggling national health service you have to wait ages for non-emergencies but i believe in it no i meant for the surgeons i mean you seem so desperate to stay <laughs> am i that transparent i'm not desperate <laughs> oh, i like it here it suits me you don't get homesick a little. I do get lonely sometimes. I complain about work, but it's my most loyal companion, really. It's hard to get used to it, you know, being lonely. But, uh, I, uh, after a while, you expect it. You start to appreciate it. Do you really believe that? I'm full of crap. <laughs> you two locked in? Yes! Yes! Oh. I, I have to say, before Lizzie explodes with glee, I love Mark's old man noise as he gets off the, the seat that he was on, because I was like, oh, if that's not the three of us every damn day, I don't know what it is, but just Lizzie, Lizzie and I constantly will hear each other get up from the other room and just, <laughs> like, are you okay? Yep, just moving. It's just part of part of the process when you have a chronic back pain in, and in this are moving in this around. house we call those dad noises yeah. yep but we make them too and it's so, when when i heard that the first time i was like yes <sighs> okay lizzie go ahead it's it's just shit like this when we start with all of this it's just my brain just floods with the next three seasons worth of heart exploding awesomeness with the three of them i mean with the two of them well, not with the three of them with the two of them um 
I can count, right? They're they're in a monogamous relationship. Lizzie casually um, including herself in the Green Day pairing. <laughs> hey. Is it gay if you scream your own name? I was proud of that one, really. Really? You're you're considering it now. Hmm. 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 And Lizzie's off. I I will I, no no I'm on I love them I love them they're 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 already so cute together. And he, here's my and, here's my promise to you, Lizzie. Here's yeah. my promise to you over the next three seasons, that I will not I will do my best to not hold what I feel are the grave injustices that are done to Elizabeth Corday the character after the events of season eight against their relationship because I do actually like this genesis yes. of their really it's it is very well yes. done it is very um you know it's very sweet in its own way and and it does sort of like as much as i do feel like this is a fallback to um the failure of uh benton and corday like as much as i feel like that was clearly plan a and this is so clearly plan b i do feel like it is there is some storyline justification for it i and I, and I will say, Lizzie and I were talking about this when we watched the episode, and I said, Corday and Benton were very much that spark, that mm-hmm. lust, that fire. Like, they have very much, you know, it was it was very sexual and very heated in nature, and that's just, like, how their characters were, and that was great. But it's so nice, early on especially, with Lizzie and Mark, to see them um, just they start out as such peers with such a mutual respect mm-hmm. for each other. And it's such a, it's such, not slow burns the wrong word, but it's, it's night and day to how she starts off with Peter. And I find it really refreshing to show that relationship dynamics, dynamics can begin so differently for different people. Yeah. And I just, yeah. I, th- I think it's beautifully done both ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So while I prefer her with Benton, because I just preferred their relationship as a whole when it was good. Um, I see why everybody, AKA Lizzie (laughs) and all the people on the discord who are going to yell at me if I don't mention it, um, why they are so enamored with this pairing. But like Daniel has said, they do Elizabeth so dirty after everything goes down Mm -hmm. that it kind of taints it for me. I don't disagree with that, Yeah, but honestly, they're they're I, the end game for you. Yeah, yeah, and that's fair. So you yeah, could, you could you could say that the show could end at season. Uh, this show could have ended at the end of season eight, and, <laughs> and a lot fine. of people do. But <laughs> but I know that's where, I know that's where a lot of people hopped off. Yeah. But, uh, it, but you know, like I said, I, I will do my very best because I, I am enjoying the 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 opening moments of it, and I know that there are other good moments between now and what happens at the end of season eight. And so I'm going to try my best to just stay in the moment and enjoy those moments as they come instead of backseat driving and going like, yeah, but they're going to fuck it up after he's gone. Like I just, I'm going to try and let myself, (laughs) you know, just let it wash over me and just enjoy it as it comes. Uh, But just a a couple of uh, quick hitters as we close out the episode, before we get to the last scene, Uh, we see Jeannie going into the church where Reverend Lynn works. He's already back at work and is like, violating every OSHA law on the planet. I feel like there has to be OSHA laws uh, in churches because he's like up on, uh, he's not even on a ladder. He's just like up on a ledge dealing with uh, a lamp or something up like a light up in the ceiling, uh, completely uh, putting himself at risk. 
Uh, and then we go to our third in three episodes, uh, Carol is pregnant moment, uh, where we see our uh, ultrasound tech from last episode uh, giving her her ultrasound. And we have a nice, strong, steady heartbeat. And I thought for sure as I was watching this, I was like, this is going to be where they're going to turn it into twins. Like, this is going to be where they're going to like. But no. nope. They, they, at least Not as quite. of right now, it is just the one heartbeat. And for the third episode in a row, we get Carol yeah. beaming and going. I'm pregnant again. Like, okay, we get it. We get it. She's pregnant. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's the miracle of life, Daniel. How dare you take this sunshine away from her? <sighs> and let's go to our last scene where after realize after finding out that the uh, surgeon's conference is already over and done with, um, Corday and Mark are drinking at the hotel bar. Bubonic plague. I was nine years old. The counselor told us not to feed the squirrels because we might catch bubonic plague. <laughs> Could you? I don't know. But Timmy fed the squirrels. <laughs> so Jimmy had to be locked in the cabin. Timmy. Not Jimmy. I said Timmy. Sounded like Jimmy. Ah, <laughs> uh, listen. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> What's weird? They're playing a tango. You know the tango. You want to crash a wedding? You do not have to do this. It's a traditional American wedding dance. I'm not sure. Just follow my lead. Exploding and your all, ovaries a little bit all over my metaphorical ovaries. Your ovaries? My brover. No, that doesn't work. Yeah, my metaphorical ovaries, just everything exploding out of my chest and me dying, <laughs> and with the most adorable dance that they do ever. That just... there's a gif of that Lauren's showing me a gif from right now, and uh, it's perfection. I love yeah. it. I, it is it is a very saucy yes. tango. Like I was like like I told Lizzie after we were done, and I said this in the group chat, and Daniel was like, "Don't fucking turn on me." I said, "You know, I get it. No, I get it. I too. see it. I am I am reminded." And Daniel was like, "Lauren, you can't you can't change ships on me here. We got to be strong against this. We got to resist." I made you cookies. You did make me cookies. So the dark side has cookies. That is so come true. To the dark side. Oh, can I just be a solid middle ground like I am with everything else on this show? You can be Switzerland of, of this of this pairing. Ah, <laughs> oh, I love this one. This was this was a damn good episode, yep. and not only just for the setup of Mark and Elizabeth, but just all of the supporting stuff minus the Carol stuff. The Carol stuff is whatever, but um, it's glad that it's good that Mark finally knows that she's pregnant. So there's no big mystery that big mystery or big scandal there um yeah just i love seeing lucy be competent i love seeing my favorite ship on the show set sail (laughs) and really begin even though it doesn't truly begin in earnest for a couple a couple more episodes it's more like at the end of the season is when they finally get their heads together like oh yeah we're almost there we're (laughs) Three episodes left. Like, it's like, but like at like the very, it's like at the very end of the season though. So, but we're, we're coming in strong to the mm-hmm. finish line here. Like this is, I wouldn't change a thing about this episode, honestly. Yeah. I yeah. Agree. I, 
solid nine out of no, ten for me. No major complaints at all. I'm really, I mean, like scrolling back through the the notes here, like I'm trying to think of if there's anything really that I would change, and not really. Like just about everything works in at least some capacity. I mean, yeah, the only thing I could really think of skimming is if we got rid of Carter's thing. I feel like they just did it because they needed to have Noah Wiley have something to do. Yeah, but even and I, it was, it, it, but even that, even that served right. its purpose. So like. Yeah. It was it was sufficient enough that I'm not gonna say they should have gotten rid of it, but I'm saying if I had to pick anything, yeah, I feel uh, like I feel I like you could have had. If I was gonna cut anything, I feel like I would have let Carol have her thing with Coco because I feel like that is enough mm-hmm. justification for us to keep in our minds that oh yeah, she's pregnant, she's gonna be a mom soon. Yeah. We didn't need to relitigate Carol being pregnant for a third time in three episodes. Like yeah. the whole like, yeah. Ooh, she might be having a miscarriage thing. That to me was unnecessary. And we could have completely no. cut that out and nothing would really be that different. Um, so if, if you're going to cut anything, I think that would have been it. And you still could have had that very mm-hmm. nice moment with her and Coco and it would have been mm-hmm. fine, but, other, but very minor complaint yeah. in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. It was a very good genie episode yeah. too. Yep. Yes. She, Which we she, haven't had in a while. We haven't had a very strong genie episode in a while. She desperately needed to be a little happy. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, I would give 8.5 or 9. Agreed. I think it was solid. It paced well. Like, I remember when we were watching Lizzie, you were like, this is a weird, really weird episode. But then upon reflecting on it, it all came together really mm-hmm. nicely. Yeah. What do the listeners have to th- say about it? I'm oh, sure boy. there's a lot. Uh, this one's this one's a doozy. Uh, Audrey T says, first of all, the opening scene reminded me how much I am lacking in my Frisbee playing skills. Same. I, I also found Lynette to be a bit of a hypocrite getting upset with Carol for not telling or asking her about Coco being a clinic patient, but had no problem keeping that private lounge meeting from Carol when she ran the clinic. And oh, hey, it's that guy moment. I recognized Reverend Matthew Lynn right away from the Cosby show and an episode of Will and Grace. Can't wait for Will and Grace to start and become part of the what else was on that night lineup uh so and so the green day blossom starts to bloom franner w says an episode of duets mark and elizabeth Jeannie and the reverend carol and coco carter and antoine lucy and seth all of them made me smile psych was lucy's calling such sad foreshadowing at smb for the win says damn it to hell mark didn't go off to nasa Please excuse me as I mourn the loss of Lizzie Corday's personality by eating my feelings in pizza and wine. I'd rather have Carrie and Elizabeth than Elizabeth and Mark. At least Carrie Whoa. is it. Wait, 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 wait. At least Carrie is ambitious, ambitious enough to appreciate who Lizzie is at heart. Whoa! Bring in the heat. I love it. All right, go on. Okay. I'm I'm not going to go off on our listeners. (laughs) Okay. Uh, At EA McDonnell, McDougal, I can read. EA McDougal says, It's great to see Lucy succeeding in her psych rotation and getting praise from the chief of psych in front of her annoying resident. Knowing what's coming, though, it also feels quite bittersweet. At That Baker Gal says, I liked the whole wrap-up with Mobilage's storyline because it was hopeful. Honestly, this is just a nice episode. It's not a heavy hitter in any way. It's just nice. It also just gives off the vibe of spring. (sighs) Strange, I know. And it begins. Mark and Elizabeth. The whole scene at the end. You know the tango, and you want to crash a wedding? Followed by them doing that is just adorable, and I will die on that hill. And last but certainly not least, at Basic Mall, who I have been told has created a Twitter just to start <laughs> submitting responses to us, which I find amazing. Hell yeah. Says, the whole Frisbee thing at the beginning is adorable as fuck. 
I just love Elizabeth's and Mark's storyline in this episode. It's part of the reason I love them together so much. Just the scene at the end where they crash the wedding and dance the tango together. It's so cute! That's how I read all caps in my brain. Uh, honest to God, it's almost the only thing I remember about the episode is their storyline. I can't wait to put this in and find out it's the wrong episode. <laughs> Welcome to my world every time we watch anything, Molly. Anytime. But that's it. That's that's what everybody had to say. All right. Well, once again, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. Always appreciate it. Uh, the show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. And for only $5 a month, you can get a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Cherry, two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews, and over 30 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a bonus show called The Lounge, where we talk about whatever's going on for us where we talk about whatever's going on for us in our in our lives at that moment. Movie reviews, where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. And flash forwards, where we do a commentary track for future ER episodes. We would also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast, And we are at Podcast on Instagram. Also be sure to check out the official Sign the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel. Where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is y-o-u dot e-l. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me on my personal Twitter at lowbob92345. Sorry, I don't have anything clever this week. You can also find me on Twitter gushing about Halo. I'm hopefully gushing about Halo Infinite and or hating it. I don't know. Who knows? It comes out tomorrow as of the recording day of this, so I'm really excited. Uh, and I am at Random Gamer. that's J-A-M-3-R. Uh, you can also find me on the Popular Courts YouTube channel doing a Let's Play of Mass Effect 2, with new episodes of that are out every Friday. And you can find those videos and much, much more at youtube.com slash thepopularcourt. Thanks again to everyone very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. Mm-hmm.